you've felt a bit like that this year, going through your routines, uh, going down to the office or staying at home, yet again going down into that basement office and doing the same things. And isn't that a great question? Is there an opportunity to look back to what the Lord God has done in Christ and to look up to him because it is our claim that he reigns on high? And you know, those uh, readings are significant tonight. You say two of the most iconic Christmas readings. I hope they're not stale for you. Isaiah 9 and Luke chapter 2. And what we have to realize is that those two readings, uh, the, the books they were written in, are 740 years apart from one another. So that's a long time. You say, well, why is that significant? Because it is our claim, right, that God broke into the world in the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, God, that's a very lofty topic. I don't know uh, how I can really make sense of that or God's love or his forgiveness. What must it mean? You say, well, Christmas shows us what God meant, that he put forth his son in history, and it was God's plan from the start, that the prophets of the Old Testament predicted it, and God did exactly as he would say, that Christmas is the fulfillment of God's great plan to show us what he's like and to bring us back home. And tonight we do look at that prophet Isaiah, that that mighty figure who again lived about 740 B.C. And he, of course, is telling Israel at the time, right? It's, of course, written to people at that time, telling God's people, hey, pay attention to what God has done. Don't we recognize truth is found in him? Of course, there's a message for those folks and to us. But you'll notice why is chapter 9 so often read at Christmas? Because there's an incredible promise there that back in that 8th century B.C., there's a promise of a little child to come forth. But this child is no mere baby, but rather the loftiest of all figures. You say just these titles kind of heaping up on one another, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. It's a child, but a ruler like no other. And tonight, because of our limited time, I want to look at one of those titles in Isaiah chapter 9, and that is this Prince of Peace. You say, peace, what a wonderful term. As we think about that, my guess is that it's been not the most restful of years for you, but peace is a very important idea, isn't it? And more so as we study the Hebrew Bible, I bet I don't know much Hebrew at all, but you say, you'll know at least one Hebrew word, I bet. I bet you know the word shalom. Say shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And if you think about how that's used a little bit, we know say shalom is a greeting. Uh, you say it upon uh, running into someone, you say shalom, peace. That's because peace in the Bible is, a, is a, a rich term that talks about wholeness and fullness and flourishing. It says when I'm at peace, yeah, not just political peace, but I'm flourishing, I'm in a good spot, I'm in the right relationship with the people in my life and, of course, my maker. You say, now that's driving more at it. Do I have in the right relationship with those around me? Am I in right relationship uh, with my creator? And here we have Isaiah making this bold prediction that peace ultimately is found in a little baby that would be put forth. And I think we'd have to think about Two things here, say the challenges are the same, say Isaiah in his time that he had challenges, you know, he saw the Assyrians come in and uh, crush the northern tribes, and of course he sees on the horizon the Babylonians coming, you say there's problems in every uh, era of life as we have in ours, and yet still there's an everlasting figure of peace, 
and he's who we devote our attention to tonight. So just really a couple of, of brief points on this Christmas Eve. One is I think that Isaiah would help us to see that putting our hope or finding our peace in people, material, or circumstances is going to frustrate us. That we're always going to be disillusioned. You know, take a listen to this. I just did a couple, you know, just cataloged a few of these myself. These are headlines from major publications in our country in the last couple months. You ready? Youth mental health is worsening. Mental Health America. The number of people looking for help with anxiety and depression has skyrocketed. Again, Mental Health America. The hidden fourth wave of the pandemic. America hasn't begun to face this year's mental health crisis. The New York Times a couple weeks ago, December 9th. Coronavirus takes a toll on mental health. Wall Street Journal. A pandemic of psychological pain. The Economist. Pandemic relief bill of $4.25 billion offers for mental health services to address historic levels of depression and substance abuse. Now, I could spend the rest of Christmas Eve going through titles of major publications in our country. And you know what? Say, this is a real problem. There's never been a more prosperous people than we are. There's actually been, never been a more educated group as the one coming up. There's never been a more enlightened, politically correct group coming up. And yet, we're going the wrong direction. Say, so sky-high levels of anxiety, depression, suicide, substance abuse. You say, uh, everything seems to be regressing in our land. And then you say, well, this has been an extraordinary time. I mean, we've been in a pandemic, but I ask you this. Is the pandemic the cause, or has the pandemic exposed our weakness? See, I think it's a combination of both. No doubt that the, the pandemic has put added pressure on all of us, but actually it's exposed our lack of mental fortitude. They say, if ever we see we're a weak people, we're needy, and we're regressing, and we're not at peace. I ask you tonight, say, look back at your year. You say, has it been a peaceful year for you? So think of the places we might put our peace. You know, I say, well, some people, you find your, your peace in your meeting, the place where you get serenity in your social gatherings, right? As long as I can have my mates over, you know, life's pretty good. And then all of a sudden you say, well, that's, uh, you know, a bit, uh, you know, up in the air because you have friends that have different assessment of their risk. And you say, well, social gatherings haven't been what they used to. And I really, I feel down about that. Maybe you had a great vacation plan this last year. I'm sure many of us did. Say, well, you can work hard and say, well, at least I have that nice vacation where I can go and be free and go to the restaurants where I like and say, that's where at least I, I don't, I, I'm stressing, but I have that to look forward to. Say this year, say, out, out it goes. Restaurants, vacations. A lot of us will find our peace and good medical care, good health care. You say, that's a wonderful thing. And yet we've seen again how exposed we are on this front. It was just this week I was reading an article from The Economist that was talking about the, the marvel of what the medical community has been able to do. Where All of us, we say, we're so very thankful. Some of our best and brightest, what they've been able to do to, to go for this vaccine. You say the medical community, it's been unbelievable. But the article in The Atlantic went on to say it also was terrifying how far we need to go. We had problems we didn't even know existed. 
You say, yeah, we're thankful for great health care and good physicians, but is that the source of our hope? You say, let's face it, you, what's going to happen in the next pandemic when it's as lethal for our children as it is for octogenarians? You say, what are we going to do then? How about others who say, well, if it's not, you know, social gatherings, vacations and restaurants and good medical health care, you know, well, there's economic prosperity, right? You say, well, we're, we're printing a lot of money. And uh, I think, well, that's going to come back around, isn't it? You say, all these places where we normally say, well, at least I have that going for me. They've been shown to be a fraud, and I ask you again to say, am I, Ben, uh, when you talk about peace, if I'm relying on all those things to go just my way, in other words, if my source of peace and being in right relationship with people and at peace with my makers on all these circumstances, I'm, I'm quickly disillusioned because I, I don't control any of them. As you'd imagine, I get a lot of questions about this pandemic as if, you know, from my non-Christian friends, they say, well, how would God, why would God do this to us? I mean, you know, he's in, he sends this terrible pandemic. Look at what it's doing. And I said, if I was God, I have no problem seeing why God might, might have done this. How else might you expose all the poor places, the bad choices, the false objects of hope and peace? You say, did we get just a glimmer of that this year, this year to say, you know what, anywhere I kind of hang my hat that's on any, any stuff or even other, other people, say, it's going to let me down. And, and it's very easy. You feel the adrenaline and the stress and the frustration. You're mad at everybody. Everybody's got a different opinion. Say, any place we put our peace is a fraud. That I hope, you say, did God give us a gift in saying that, you know, anywhere other than him where I would bank my life has is, is, is been dismantled. And the question for us tonight is to say, well, is there a source? Is there a place for peace? Is it possible to be at peace with my maker and all of my loved ones, those around me, when things are not going the right way? And I've always been drawn to this quality. I think of the great Kipling poem. Maybe you know it's called If. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. I say there's something very attractive about that quality. Say who's the one who can find great serenity and peace and be steadfast and be in right relationship with his maker when everything's going so terribly wrong? For those who like sports, there's a story I very much like along these lines. From Super Bowl 23 back in 1989, and uh, the 49ers were taking on the Bengals, and uh, the 49ers are down. The great Joe Montana, right? He's got three minutes left in the game, and Montana is taking the Niners down, uh, down the field, and it's late in the game, about a minute left. And as the story goes, there's a long TV timeout, and uh, Joe Montana calls in his huddle, and he's looking over at the sideline, and he says, you know, I think that's John Candy over there, the actor. And as his players said it, it took the edge off. You say that's why he had the nickname Joe Cool. Say the whole world's watching. You got a minute to go. The Super Bowl's on the line. And yet there was a kind of serenity. You say, well, I'm not getting at poetry or sports, but wouldn't it be great if there's that kind of quality, the kind of quality that you would have a peace when the circumstances of life are not going your way, when it's really hard and really stressful, and all the places you kind of look for, you know, everything you look forward to and everything you bank on is taken, is there a peace? Is there a coolness? And I think for God's people, those who follow Christ, you can say yes. Have you ever noticed? Here's something to think about if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, why are there so many places in Scripture 
where God's people are in a terrible place physically, and you would think emotionally, and yet they talk about peace. You know, how about Psalm 4.8, that David, who had no easy life at this time, right? In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Or how about again, famously, right? Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You think, well, wait a second, Paul's in prison when he writes that. Is there this peace that passes understanding? Is there a peace that, in fact, transcends my earthly circumstances? And does Isaiah help us get there to say, think very carefully about how you rest your head and what you're counting on? And he points us in the right direction. So, yeah, any place, people, material, circumstances, if that's the end of the game, say we're disillusioned quickly, very disappointing, very shaky foundation. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You say Isaiah would make a very bold move here. It's very, very risky, I think. He's saying that peace ultimately is going to be found in a person. <laughs> You say, wait a second, it's not in political jockeying, it's not in, you know, the kind of, you know, building up our defense, it's not in stoic detachment, but rather that it could, could it possibly be found in the baby put forth in history. And for the Christ follower, you say, that's exactly the claim. That real ultimate peace, right relationship with others and with God to have the rest when the circumstances go the wrong way, say that's really found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, take a very close look. We've all heard, you know, Handel's Messiah, you've probably heard this dozens of times, but for us, to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. You say there's a very profound thing being said there. You said you think about the child being born in the sense that Jesus, insofar as his human likeness, was conceived by the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago, right? So that the person of, of Jesus, that is the flesh and the, the, the human body of Jesus, was conceived and indeed born of Mary. But the Son of God could only be given because he's eternal. Do you see that? Jesus, insofar as he's divine, has always been with his Father, that he comes to us as a gift he's given, but he's also born in time to Mary. That that is precisely the claim of Christmas time. God, the second person of the Trinity, God Himself and His Son, right, comes forth and is given to us as a gift, but He's born in time and grows. That again, peace just wouldn't be out there, but peace is found in this Jesus of history. That He holds all the government in His hands. That the person is the wise counselor. So where's real wisdom? The counselor doesn't need any more counseling. He's the source of all the wisdom. He's unbound by the limits of time, right? The everlasting father, that he's nurturing in nature. That's what the father language is, that he's kind and considerate and knows you say, oh, I'd love to know somebody like that. I say, well, you can. It's in Jesus. You say, does Jesus make a difference? You see, I want you to look at this, if we have the graph, I came across this. Um, 
So I'll summarize it for you. I'll send it to you the next week if you want to email me. So Americans rating their mental health as excellent from 2019 to 20. It goes down in every category. doesn't matter gender, politics, income, race. Down in every category with the exception of one, whether you're attached weekly to a local church. Now, you can say, I'm not making a point, believe me, about, obviously, the pandemic. I don't mean in person here, per se, but this is very powerful. You can say, well, is that just coincidence? I mean, yeah, it's nice to be able. Or can you say, you know what? There's something really to this. There's something about the Prince of Peace who not only keeps the people steady, but actually, when the tough times come, their mental health improves. Certainly, across those who wouldn't have that kind of relationships, you say this kind of thing points us in the direction to say Jesus as the Lord of Prince of Peace makes a real difference in my life. Thank you, Ruth. We can uh, take that down. But very striking that maybe it's not just out there, but there's really something in this. And we flip to our New Testament reading. Say the angels make exactly this point. If you notice in chapter 2 and verse 14, right, that what we call the Gloria that here's the baby Jesus, and they break into song, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace among those with whom God is pleased. You see, friends, that when we're at peace and we please God, or when we please God, we have the peace that is found in Jesus. Say, how do we arrive at that peace? Well, we come to God on the terms he set out, right? That we agree with God that we can't do this on our own. We agree with God. We confess that we put our hope and we've tried to find peace in all the wrong places. In fact, we've contributed uh, to the sinful uh, nature of things. They say we agree with God about that and come to him on his terms, which is the free gift, right? Why are the angels praising God? Because of the free gift of the baby Jesus who's been given for our peace. And say, when we surrender to God and come to Jesus and accept him, he said, we feel God's pleasure. We can have right relationship with one another. We have right relationship with our maker, and it makes all the difference. You know, I did a funeral of a friend last week. She was 33. It was a brain bleed. It was a really tough day. It was a really tough day. And I stand there with the family, and you say, I don't, most people say, there's no peace But you see, she was a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus. You say, as sad as that day was, as we stood around that grave, you say, I know where my friend is. That my friend's with her Savior. That those of us left behind for the short time that we have, while God still has us work to do, say there's a peace about that. Say the circumstances were, were you say, really taxing in a lot of ways. But there was peace because of what Jesus had done. And that she accepted Jesus and her family did. And you say, that's the kind of thing we're driving driving it here, that real peace is found in a person. Listen to how Jesus talks. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You say, that's how Jesus talks. You say, yeah, you can look for peace in all those places, but you know what? You're you're not going to find it because what I give, the kind of peace I give, Jesus says, is altogether different. And I hope tonight we see that. We surrender to him. Even in the tough times, you say your heart can be filled with joy. 
And friends, if you are a Christ follower, you say that doesn't just end there, but actually we become channels of this peace, almost like the Kipling poem, but a Christian version. You say, okay, well, if I do have this peace, say, yeah, it's been a tough year, you know, but I know my maker and I, I you know, even I can still think about ultimate things in, the, in, in all the, 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 the worst times of this year. Say, it's our job, right, to be peacemakers, to spread that around to others, to love, to show, you know, I really have this. Yeah, my circumstances are really sad. It's been a tough year in a lot of ways, but I've got this anchor. There's a, there's a person in my life, my relationship with Christ that I've surrendered to him, and it's made all the difference. You know, if you're not a Christian tonight, say, think differently, maybe on Christmas Eve. I pray you do. Maybe you felt a lot of it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Say, look at those headlines again. Say, maybe this year for you, you said, I have had anxiety and depression like I've never had. Say, I don't know the way out. And you say, oh yeah, there could be other pandemics and whatever it is. Say, tonight you say, I, I, I want to try something new. I, I hope you see what we are offered in the gift of Jesus. There's a story I was thinking about here. A lady named Thelma Howard Thelma Howard was Walt Disney's maid. And every year at Christmas time, Walt Disney would give Thelma Howard a little, um, a little envelope. And she would open it up and not really understanding what it was, she'd take that envelope and put it under her bed. So every Christmas, here would come the envelope from Walt Disney, open it up, didn't, under, you know, didn't really take time to read it, under the bed it went. She did this for 30 years. She then passed away and her children are going through her stuff. They're looking through all the files underneath the bed, and they say, they take out all these old Christmas cards from Walt Disney and say, you know what was in those Christmas cards, right? A little certificate of shares of the Disney Corporation. <laughs> said those shares of the Disney Corporation that Thelma Howard had stored were worth over $9 million in the 1980s. Say she never took advantage of them. Say, I hope that's not you tonight. Say it's Christmas Eve. Call me, say, yeah, it's Christmas time, I'm in America, I'll think about this. And you say, well, I understand Jesus, and then under the bed he goes. You never really apprehend him. Say, let's not be like that. Let's say I want Jesus to be the center of my life. I want to feel that peace. I need that peace. I'm not going to make it. I'm just bound up in that headline. I'd much rather be like those who, even in the tough times, can look unto him. Say, surrender your life to Christ tonight. And, oh, Christian... Yeah, it's hard. It's going to be a really hard winter, I think, in a lot of ways. But let's not forget this Prince of Peace. Let's rely on him and count on him and trust him to do exactly as he says he's going to do, that he's worthy of our trust and our praise. He's the Prince of Peace, the wise counselor. And God did exactly as he said he'd do. And I hope that that's real for you tonight. So I'll invite the team back up. Let's sing these last couple of very uh, famous hymns together. Lord, we do. We have put our hope and our peace in all the wrong things, maybe our credentials or maybe our vacations or our outings or our portfolios or uh, medicine. And at the very least, I hope we look back at this year and to say, you know, those are really a shaky place to, to rest, and, and I feel that if I, we've done that. But this little line that Isaiah says, that coming forth, there's a child who's going to be given as a gift, and that child's the Prince of Peace that I can be in right relationship with my maker and with others, and even in the tough times, have real hope. Lord, may everyone this Christmas really apprehend that. May we take great joy in that, celebrate that for your sake. Amen.